Welcome to Risk Roundup. Innovation is undoubtedly an important driver of economic growth. Since the beginning of scientific revolution, science and technology innovations have always been the backbone of economic expansion across nations. From flying shuttles to the spinning journey, the electric motor to the diesel engine, and in recent times, the internet, computing, communications technology, along with blockchain, artificial intelligence, machine learning, deep learning, cloud computing, internet of things, drones, 3D printing, robotics, big data, quantum computing, CRISPR technology, nanotechnology, nanosatellites, and so many more. Each innovation is fundamentally transforming nations while ramping up the economic engine. As witnessed across nations, these technological tsunami is fundamentally altering human life, the way we live, work, connect, and communicate as individuals or entities across nations, its government, industries, organizations, and academia, in short, referred to as NGIO, as we you know, uh, say the magnitude of this technology-triggered transformation will be unlike anything humankind has experienced ever before. While we do not yet know just how this ongoing industrial revolution will unfold, one thing is clear, the security risk emerging from cyberspace, geospace, and space, in short, referred to as CGS, due to the rapid pace of the technology-trigger transformation, revolution, and evolution are becoming very complex. So are we in the middle of an industrial revolution? Is this the fourth industrial revolution? Or are we witnessing human evolution? How will this revolution and evolution impact each one of us individually and collectively? To discuss all these and more, I'm delighted to welcome Dean Anush Sharma to Risk Roundup. Dean Sharma is the chairman and president at Canada Research Center for Fourth Industrial Revolution and is based in Canada. Welcome, Dean Sharma. We are honored to have you on Risk Roundup. Hi, thank you. Thank you, everybody, for uh, uh, giving me this opportunity to speak. So uh, I, I'm, I'm honored. Thank you. Wonderful. So let's begin by discussing this. Are we in the middle of an industrial revolution? Well, uh, what is an industrial revolution? That's the question people should first ask. I mean, uh, it's, it's a very easy term to say industrial revolution. But actually, industrial revolution in simple terms means a shift. Something that helps us do a shift is an industrial revolution. I mean, uh, if you go way back, years and years back, uh, I would take you to millennials back. And when we were homo sapiens, you know, monkeys, uh, so to speak, or kind of human apes. How did we learn? So we learned about fire, stone, you know, um, hunting, hunting. So we learned the power of hunting. Uh, strength and speed was important if you are not fast. You could not hunt, you could not kill, right? And you learned by watching each other, apprenticeship-based systems of study, what you say, what you see, you know, uh, uh, trying something, company internships, all that actually started in that era. You learned somebody through a spear, somebody hunt, the other person picked it up and also threw in and learned the thing. From hunting, then we moved on to harvesting because we learned the power of harvesting and agriculture came and obviously earth was abundant. So the first, actually, if you look at prehistoric times, this was the first shift. I would call that the prehistoric first industrial revolution. When from making spears out of stone, we actually learned how to dig the grounds, how to make irrigation systems, and learned the power of harvesting. Then after harvesting came the industrial age. Now, the industrial age actually was spawned by the discovery of steam. It wasn't electricity. It was steam. And 
steam was discovered to for the mere fact to help cotton cotton production because the output of agriculture era were crops and cotton and cotton went into the industries for textiles textiles is one of the oldest industries in the world actually we've been wearing clothes for centuries and people don't realize it uh, so steam was discovered but instead of using it for industrial uh, production it actually got used for motion mobility human mobility it actually revolutionized human mobility we made steamships locomotives steam engines in fact such was the power of mobility that colonial powers like britain got on a ship and conquered america india and the rest of the world the british empires were born based on steam to be honest from steam this happened actually in 1734 when when mankind discovered steam then it took 100 years before mankind discovered electricity so in 1870 about 120 years later mankind discovered electricity again electricity was discovered to help industrial production but instead of industry electricity actually went more into human households today 80% of the electricity is consumed by for personal consumption only 20% is consumed by industries without electricity nothing will work we cannot do this google hangout we cannot charge this mobile phone nothing can happen so that was the second shift so that's called the second industrial revolution the first industrial revolution is called as steam the second is this imagine from 1870 then it took about 100 200 years till 1962 and because in 1962 the department of defense realized that it used to take 20 to 30 days to send uh, the department of defense in the united states east coast to west coast it used to take 20 years how do you do that how do you do it faster so they asked couple of engineers at mit some scientists how do you do that so they said okay let's make a something electronic so they developed something electronic which was called as arpanet a r p a n e t and arpanet actually in 1962 was invented and it became internet in 1972 that's how the world was given internet apa was changed to inter and the world got to know internet then you so internet is like a highway but then you need a car to uh, take the message on the highway right so for that they in, they invented an electronic system called as ems electronic messaging system and in 1972 just like arpanet became internet ems electronic messaging system became email and so the world got email and the world got internet in 1972 and if you look at that that actually is the third biggest shift which in the human mankind because it actually spawned communications it didn't spawn technology it spawned a media it was always a medium of communications and connections nothing more and because of this communication and connections it supported the technological uh, advancement so to speak so we went on a spree we went on a spree of inventions let's invent this let's invent that if you remember wall street gordon gecko movie he had a big cell phone let's invent a smaller cell phone a smaller cell phone a smaller cell everything is becoming you know let's make some let's make this better invention means to create the word you are talking about innovation doesn't means to create it means to make something better which is something which already exists you want to make something better so we are actually went on a spree of both inventions and innovations 
first 20 years we went on invention because without inventing you cannot have innovation right if something doesn't exist how can you innovate this innovate buzzword only came in the 30th year so from 1970 if you add 20 to 30 years it's 1999 2000 that's where the buzzword of innovation started oh now we have invented a lot of things and so now let's make them better and you know that's how people have started so the first 30 years you were inventing things to make things better to make things automated so technologies were being invented to support businesses but something happened we became so good at inventing technologies that the shift happened and now business businesses are being invented based on technology so you don't invent a technology for a business you invent a technology and then you have this world called a startup haven't you heard this buzzword called a startups yes. right so so now one technology comes up and you see here 10 50 100 200 startups come up this technology you talked about blockchain come now there are 100000 startups on it tomorrow i mean look at a simple technology of gps gps made was transformed into google maps and look at uber uber is spawned across 30 countries employing millions of people and runs on one simple google maps technology which is based on gps nothing more there is nothing in that except that look at that like a trillion dollar a billion dollar industry just on simple satellite roaming on the earth so this has carried on for the last 40 years now we are reaching a point where we are going to enter another shift where these technologies will start integrating with each other so how you integrate is when you are giving an introduction you you talked about lots of technologies big data quantum computing but what we did not we, a lot of people still don't realize and this is what the thought leaders have started realizing is the fourth industrial revolution is is the shift is not about something new the shift is about integrating these so for example without mathematics you cannot you, you we could never had computer science Without computer science, we could never have con con computing because computers compute, right? Quantum computing, cybernetic computing, these are all types of computing. We are getting better at computing. Without computing, you cannot have data analytics. Without data analytics, you cannot have data science. Without data science, you cannot have machine learning and artificial intelligence because it works on that. And without that, your robot won't work, so you cannot have robotics. So if you don't combine all of these, your robotics won't work. So it's combinatorial, basically. So you have started combining these. So is you started it, combining them. This is the fourth industrial revolution, combining technologies. Basically converging technologies, that's what you are saying, right? Combining them, yeah, and integrating them and seeing which one uh, in by combining two, three, what works. Sure. What works best, what optimizes best. Yes, now, but there are a lot of people who say that the fourth industrial revolution is about convergence or fusion of technologies that is blurring the line between the physical, digital, and biological spheres. To then that, was a, that was a statement by actually Professor Klaus Schwab at the yes. World Economic Forum, right? And in one of his videos, I think he talks about uh, that it's blurring the lines between. It, it is not yet blurring the lines. It has the potential to blur the lines. A simple example is if I give you a virtual reality headset, 
and uh, you immerse yourself in the virtual reality and you are in standing on the great wall of china or on mount everest what's real and what's not how how real can you make it that one day you will say that oh i don't need to go to great wall of china I've already been there I already walked through it I, I actually walked on it through augmented reality i'm sorry I, I i can have it in my room i don't need to be there so that's blurring a line between reality and and uh, and virtual reality or augmented reality that's what it means basically is if you use too much of technology no, sure. it what will blur the land yes what you are it saying about the, the virtual reality augmented reality it makes sense and we are almost there we are not there yet but we are almost there but from what i could you know when i was uh, doing research and when i reviewed uh, some of the writings of the world economic forum and all that it seems that the scope that they have defined by this fourth industrial revolution is about the blurring line when we say between physical digital and biological sphere it is more about uh, crispr technology and synthetic biology now while crispr technology has opened the whole new world of synthetic biology and takes us on the path of bioeconomy we are also on the brink of space age so i believe that the ongoing revolution is of course you know it is about converging technologies but it also is about uh, the blurring lines of cyberspace to geospace and space so that means the digital world the physical world and the space because uh, the exploration of the you know uh, planets and all that have already started and we the humans are no longer confined to what just nature must offer the advances in science and technology has given us a capability to create the living things like with the crispr technology you can pick and uh, choose the genes that you want from any you know biological species irrespective of whether it's humans or animals or plants or anything you pick those genes and uh, then you write the code that is missing you know a really smart computer scientists can do that and we can create an entirely new organism so that is uh, the potential and the power that we have uh, currently but this is not just about creating a lot of people who says that this bioengineering and ability to create this uh, synthetic biology that is uh, the age that we are you know that is the fourth industrial age and that to me it seems that the scope is very narrow this is much more than you know creating synthetic biology we are on the verge of space age we will be earth will be only a min minuscule we are trying to uh, understand and where our place the place of humans and humanity into a much bigger sphere see you what you are what you are trying to imply is that we are going to get better and better at technologies right every technology we are going to get better in fact today it's 100 maybe in the next 20 years we may have a thousand new more technologies Uh, that's very well possible how we use each of these technologies depends on us as humans no matter you may have a million new technologies in 10 years or a billion or a zillion new technologies and you get mind blowing technologies still what will be more important than technologies will be ethics emotions intuitions because softwares and all can do some of your work they can optimize it but they can never be that to do that being you need to reach singularity which is obviously ai consciousness 
uh, and to, that's a, it's a long shot. Maybe by 2050 you can do it, not by 2030, 2040. It will take a long time. People don't understand how hard it is to create AI, algorithmic writing, and all takes a long time. I mean, it's perfect. Uh, uh, when you talk of picking up different genes and creating things, what's right, what's wrong, then you're talking of these are this comes under the realm of bioethics, basically. There are different types of ethics, bioethics, digital ethics. So you how you teach an AI good thing, bad thing is comes under digital ethics. How, what you do, how what you do in the uh, bios uh, medical field, it's bioethics. Business ethics is totally different. I mean, you've gone through. Uh, you know, the 2008 crisis, you've seen what business ethics can lead to. So that's different. That That's where your risks also come in. I mean, uh, risks come in. You got to mitigate those risks. That's where it's important. Uh, similarly, like, you know, before it was security, national or defense security. Now, it, then it became digital security, then cyber security, biosecurity. I mean, uh, Look at look at an example of biosecurity, even in the US, like or in, in any other country where uh, doctors have prescribed so much antibiotics to human mankind that the resistance of human mankind to antibiotics has gone down. And then now they're looking for serious antibiotics to invent. I mean, if bioethics was there, you would have not done it, right? For a simple cold, they prescribed medicines after medicines and look. I mean, they started feeding it in your food chains and food supplies to chickens and whatnot. And look what it did to the the lack of bioethics. This is the these are very important things in the fourth revolution, which people are not talking about. People are talking about uh, you can easily talk about the Bitcoin, uh, which works on a blockchain technology, and people are investing in it like crazy, right? And some are saying that it's a bubble. But again, if you have business ethics, financial ethics, digital ethics, cyber security, all these points will be mitigated to a particular point. So we we have to control these tech, this, these technologies, which we are not doing. We are not controlling it. We are in just let's just let's just let's just uh, invent, invent, innovate, innovate, invent, invent, innovate, innovate, and you can invent a zillion technologies. And then the second part of that risk also comes is. How do you use those technologies for betterment of humanity? If you don't use that, it's pointless. I mean, nuclear bomb, <laughs> the biggest invention of uh, Albert Einstein era. Look what it has become after 50 years. It's, 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 to, it's to instill fear in people, that technology. It was never used for nuclear fission or fusion for energy. The scientists who invented it wanted it for energy. But guess what it does today? You don't want to go ten, in hundred feet of that particular bomb because you're scared of its radiation, isn't it? Yeah. So, uh, so how how changing a gene will affect an entire generation? Nobody knows. That is very true. That is the biggest yeah. risk that we are facing because at this point, I mean, anybody sitting in any country that decide I want to destroy the crop of this country. They can do that, and there are there is no way to control or monitor this situation. Who is anybody in their uh, basement? You know, they they can create uh, uh, this kind of uh, synthetic uh, genes, and they can create an entirely new organism. 
how are we going to monitor that? Just the way we are not able to monitor or manage the cybersecurity, cyber warfare happening from someone's you know uh, laptop in a remote place, we don't, we cannot control who is you know doing that. We don't have the capability for that. Just the same way, we don't have capability to monitor who is using these uh, genes and who is creating entirely new organism pathogens that would. Uh, have a potential to wipe out the humanity. So there are a lot of existential risk emerging, but irrespective of whether we are witnessing era of biological engineering or space age, one thing is clear that the transformation that we are witnessing is not happening because of any single technology, but rather many technologies and its convergence. And when we evaluate the revolution and evolution brought on by the converging technologies, it seems that the fourth industrial revolution is evolving at an exponential rate and is disrupting nations, it's individuals and entities across nations, is government industries, organizations and academia. So do you see this technological tsunami overwhelming the systems at all levels, irrespective of whether it's local, national or global, and it's impacting the very survival and sustainability of humanity? Of course, it's already overwhelmed. It's already overwhelmed because the infrastructures are not in place and nobody thought of it. So. Now they will, if 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 governments and uh, politic and political establishments or business communities start thinking now, it will take them years to actually put in the infrastructure. I mean, if you want to regulate Bitcoin, how will you do it? I mean, you cannot do it because internet is connected globally, so all the countries have to come together. I mean, just to do a climate Paris Climate Accord, it took ten years, and it took one shot to just break it apart. So <laughs> it is not that easy as it looks. And uh, that's where the risk is, right? So uh, either it has to be regulated by each country how it wants, or uh, it will be impossible. I think it will uh, definitely, some of these will definitely damage a lot of places. Uh, and some of them will actually transform human lives. Yes. Wherever we know, wherever we need, uh, uh, history tells us that wherever as humans we need comfort, we 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 use the technology technology uh, properly. But wherever we need money, then it changes. Yes. We don't use it responsibly. Yes. So wherever the money will be involved, it will be responsible. Wherever it comfort will be involved, uh, or sustenance of humanity or mankind will be involved. I mean, then it will be uh, totally different. Yes, the systems so. are outdated. I mean, the current systems are outdated to be able to cope up with the uh, tsunami of these technologies and the convergence and this impact. It's uh, They're not able to withstand that. And this technology-triggered revolution is happening at an exponential rather than a linear pace. And uh, the breadth and depth of these changes uh, it heralds the transformation of the entire systems across nations. And now there are some who say that this uh, today's transformation represents not merely a prolongation of the third industrial revolution that was based on electronics and uh, information technology that began the automation of the production. I mean, uh, in the numbers uh, are irrelevant, whether it's in a number of first industrial, second industrial, third industrial, but basically the industrial revolution that started that, the Velocity scope and the system's impact is huge, but at the center, I feel that it is the human connectivity that is driving this revolution.
do you see human connectivity playing a central role? Because if you see these, you know, so many collaborative organizations that are emerging, so many collaborative projects, the, the whole entire different way of doing things is emerging. Do you see human connectivity playing the central role in this revolution that we are witnessing? No, human connectivity is, is, has always been there. Internet connected everybody. If, if, if that revolution, internet and communications had not connected, nothing of this would be possible. My question is, human connectivity is not important. It's not the, right, uh, the important crux. It is humanity that is important. Values, ethics, emotions, intuitions. That should be in the middle of it, which is not there. Which is maybe there, maybe not there, but it doesn't seem to be. So how would you say that? That has to be the core because, you know, that's where true value is created. That's where true value of this revolution can be created. Okay. Is to transcend these technologies for humanity. I hear, I hear you on that, that the, you know, you don't see the human emotions and especially the positive ones, the constructive ones that would take the humanity to the next level. It's difficult to see in many different places. I'll, I'll ask you, you have, you have an iPhone? Yes. Okay. Uh, this is technology, right? It's getting better, right? You agree with me? Yes, yes. This, this this technology over the last 10 years, I can tell you, has as an individual yourself has decreased your attention span by more than two to three minutes. It I has affected you. In fact, in fact, if I send you a message and you don't like the first two lines of that message, chances are that you will not even read the third, fourth and fifth. Yes. If if you don't, if and 90% of the people today are using abbreviations. OMG has become, oh my God. Yes. It is affecting humans at such a rapid rate, which people are unaware of. ADD is on the rise. I mean, I can just carry on and on with just one iPhone. So you may have 100 collaborative, I mean, you can have Samsung and Apple all combined together to form a trillion dollar corporation and make the best of products called Samsung Apple, okay, Sam Apple, okay, fine, you know, in the next 10 years, whatever. But that's not tech, the fourth industrial revolution's purpose. Because, because that, that means capitalism is making money and this is going to affect you in far ways. Fine, it will improve your connectivity. You will be able to talk faster, maybe, uh, you know, the, the computing chip in this will get far, far quicker. So. Uh, your applications will open. Uh, maybe that's maybe it will have augmented reality for you to kind of you know uh, uh, have a good user interface with the phone. Great. These are things. These are good things. But look at the negative aspects of it also. So there are risks associated with each of these technologies. There are positives. There there are benefits, but there are negatives to it. And currently, everybody is only concerned about the positives only concerned about the good the great the fantastic things less concerned about the important things which are these i mean if you don't teach uh, ethics to ai you are going to take everybody down a, a hole everybody's going to go down a hole so ethics 
Are we talking about ethics for AI? That's the question I people should be. Sure, we can write AI. You know, today you have a hundred graduates writing algorithms. Tomorrow you can have a million graduates writing algorithms at a faster pace, and AI will grow. But what are their ethics? Are we looking at these ethics of these algorithm writers? Do we check their ethics? They are the ones who are creating the emotions and AI and, and AI itself. Who's checking them? These are very serious questions. It should be uh, we should start thinking now rather than later, and then think of oh how do we regulate? Oh what were the mechanisms? Oh this happened. So it cannot with these technologies you cannot have that game of it happened so now we will correct. <laughs> you will not get a chance. You'll not get a chance. So sure, I hear you on that. We this these yeah. developments need to happen in parallel. And what you are saying that the people who are the developers who are writing the code, who are creating the algorithms, if they do not have ethics, like you just said, then yes, the algorithms that are being created that would likely not have ethics. And that is on our last risk roundup episode, we uh, address the biased algorithms, the machine learning, you know, algorithms that are being created. Most of them today. They are biased toward minorities, so it it, it is a uh, like you just said. I mean, you may be you may be driving a Tesla car, but what if that Tesla software tomorrow decides to crash it? Yeah, yes, those risks are there, and that those risks needs to be identified, evaluated, and uh, effectively. So, so there's a positive. So you can sit in the car and it can drive by itself. So that's comfort. That's comfort. And that's optimization also because fine, it optimizes your time. You are actually not spending time to drive, so you have time to do other things. Yes. So that's a positive. But look at the risk of it. The risk of it is if that software goes bad, you're going to lose your life. Life versus optimizing time. Put them in a you know in a in a leveler, and then you will see the reality of just a simple Tesla software. What's important? It's very easy to say that this is important, but look at that also, you know, I mean, <laughs> you cannot weigh that with that. Absolutely not. No, I, I absolutely I, not. I, I completely agree with you on that, that we do need to uh, at this right now. I mean, it may be late in some areas, but we already have to start talking about what kind of uh, institutions we need, what kind of governing bodies do we need? How are we going to manage the risk emerging from uh, these technologies? I mean, see, I, I actually know a lot of these. I'm very well versed. If you look at Canada Research Center's website, we're very well at the forefront of these technologies. So we know exactly what each one can. Each one can has the power to transform every sphere of humanity, every sphere across the world. I mean, you can have robotics in agriculture. I mean, you don't even need to do your gardening. I mean. You can just use an application now. You can select on this date, this flower should be in my garden. It will make sure that it grows in that garden on that day. So, I mean, that's that's great, you know. So, all that is optimizing your time. All that is optimizing resources. But if everything is being optimized by these technologies, what's the most important commodity you're left with? Time. So what do you do in that free time? It's what's important. How do you use tech, these technologies to improve your intelligence, which is called cognitive augmentation? How do we use technologies to improve your intelligence is what we should be then be focusing on. So fine, today we are creating 20 years, 10 years down the line, we should be focusing on that. 
And in order to focus on that, all this should be good. If all this goes bad, <laughs> then you cannot focus on that. You're just going to focus on correcting that, the mess that we create. Because correcting one mess is easier. But correcting exponential technologies mess, it's, which are integrated, it's which are integrated. It's yes. very, it's just, it's crazy. It's very complex. I mean, you, you have an algorithm written in China for a robot in America standing in your home cooking who goes bad and who takes up a knife and tries to stab you. Just because the algorithm written was wrong in China. Who are you going to catch? Yes. Who are you yes, going to blame? Can. I agree. I agree. And we, that's what. You, you know, this is a very, very serious things we should think about. Like, so integrating, so now you integrated a, today you're integrating, you know, what you're, today you're integrating a Chinese manufacturer making a, making this phone. The software is made in Palo Alto, California and Apple's place. They both integrate and you get this iPhone. Imagine that tomorrow a robot where the software comes from China or, or US and, and something comes from somewhere and it malfunctions. It's serious. It's very serious. This has a capability to control your bank accounts by thrust through your eyes and it goes bad. Yes. How very will you? This, these are the going to cope up and that that is a challenge and the, because this in this revolution that's ongoing we are facing a, a range of new technologies that connects and integrates not only cyberspace geospace and space but also individuals and entities across NGO as we have been talking and these converging new technologies will impact individuals and entities across NGO and even challenge our ideas about what it means to be human. So it's not just about the ethics or our safety and security, but to be, uh, what, what does it mean to be a human? What would it mean to be human in the coming years? That is probably the bigger question that we are facing, you know, in the coming years. What do you think about that? That's the question that people should start asking now. Yes. I mean, not, not 10 years later. That's what I think is the time has come to actually start asking that question uh, now rather than thinking it at that time. It will be too late at that time. We are getting today. Today there are 100 new technologies. Tomorrow there will be 200 next year. That you cannot stop. It's going to carry on because each technology fuels a new technology. That's what people like I said. Remember when the beginning I said mathematics fueled computer science, computer science fueled something. Today quantum computing is fueling 10 more. Similarly, you know, tomorrow this will fuel 10 more. So it's like it's like a growth of branches or roots of a tree. That's what's happening. You know, but what seed we sow has to be decided by us. Yes. You mm -hmm. can sow a cactus or you can sow an apple. Choice is yours. Good example. Very true. Very true. I mean, uh, those uh, decisions that we make today, it will define and determine where we as a human race, we are going and what, how the humanity will look like and whether we will even survive this, you know, 
converging technologies and the uh, tsunami of technologies that is coming our way. So whether we survive, whether we sustain, whether we are able to achieve, you know, uh, more in our universe, that all depends on the decisions we take today. So from your assessment, how will the world look like in the next 10 years? Do you see that uh, this industrial revolution that we are on, uh, that uh, it will evolve even further? And uh, the fifth industrial revolution, I think that uh, has already started in uh, uh, the beginning of the space age and the space initiatives that we are seeing, I think uh, what the emerging, the impact that we will be seeing within the next decade, decade is going to be monumental, is going to be huge. So what is your assessment about where we are going in the next 10 years? The fifth is way far out. I think fourth will take at least 50 to 80 years. This evolution will take that much. Fifth is way down. I mean, just to comprehend these all these things that are happening at such a rate and what how they will evolve that's the fourth so it will carry on for years right now it's not going to just uh, we are almost on the verge of uh, establishing yeah. colonies the no that's pretty far fetched i am i am very well connected and uh, to the mars mission at the open space agency and i know uh, that uh, what exact reality is i mean uh, uh, we are not as far in space as you think we are. Uh, we never actually uh, invested in the space industry. Uh, it was an investment in the 50s, 60s and 70s, but then it died down. Nobody invested it. Uh, uh, we have never, there's still lots of issues in space. Uh, for humans in space, it's an extreme environment. Radiation is the biggest issue. Uh, sleep is another issue. Food sustainability is another issue. Uh, they are doing analog simulations at ESA and NASA to solve these. Uh, technologies will help them, but it's still far-fetched. I don't see a... They, they don't plan a, um, even a, a, a mission to the Mars uh, before 2035, 2032 to 35. So it's way far out. I mean, you may have a rocket to send. What we are good at is putting load on a rocket and sending it up. But, uh, but that's what we're good at. But democratization of space has already begun. Anybody who wants to send a satellite in space, they can do that with this uh, new nano satellite uh, technology that we have. No, no, just satellites. There are millions of satellites. In that's fact, uh, Indian Space Organization just put 100 satellites in space. Yes, but that, that is a big I mean, it's just, so far, the governments are controlling, the military were controlling which you know initiative to take in space. Now, things have changed. You will see so many different kinds of initiatives happening all across nations. Luxembourg, they have huge investments. There is a lot of things happening in the space area. I feel that the space age is beginning in very, very near future or it has already begun. No, space age began 30 or 40 years ago. I mean, we stepped on the moon in 1969. I mean, uh, we were standing on a different planet 35 years, 40 years ago. I mean, so it's, it's nothing new. Uh, there's these things about creating space colonies and what? Uh, it's not easy because the thing is, uh, you could go to a planet, you could go to a planet and and use its materials to make something. You cannot take materials from one planet to the other. That's not viable. Please understand, because 
this is the reality of where it stands today so you could go to mars and that's what it is to make a mars human colony we have not reached that point where we start thinking like that or we have technologies like that so today we have a little curiosity rover with a with a, like a, this small inch drill but tomorrow if we can put a caterpillar <laughs> who can actually drill a cave then we can think of a robot to fix it and vacuum proof it and we have a, we have something so sure, they have all the answers yes of course we don't have all the answers but that yeah. quest has already begun to do that yeah, yeah, the lots of it colonies all those things have already started the process has started to think about it, how to solve the problems and that's the beginning the ideas are i think i think uh, I think before we even, personally, I think that before we start thinking about colonizing another planet, we should start thinking about respecting our own. That's uh, God has given us one, and we can't take care of one planet which has all the resources for our survival. And if we can't take care of that, uh, we are the biggest losing uh, civilization in the history of Milky Way to screw up a planet and then think in which we are already screwed up quite a bit. I mean, mark my words, we have messed it up pretty badly. Uh, I mean, every parameter, every resource of Earth that has been given to us, uh, we have abused it. There is not a single resource which we have left. Absolutely, uh, we, have, we have messed up this planet. And that's what I tell my astronaut friends is that, uh, and they themselves say that, you know, it's so sad that when you see planet Earth from above, how beautiful it is, just looking at it. And when you look on the other side, uh, it's just vacuum and blackness and nothing exists. So everything that you exists is right here. And if we just concentrate here, it, this, can be, this, this can be a home to us for centuries with the technological revolution that we have. I mean, uh, if, if you protect it. Because technologies will not pro cannot protect Mother Earth, let me tell you. They can, uh, not every technology can protect. Some can, but not everything. I mean, we, uh, we have extincted more than a thousand species in the last hundred years. You know, that is, so give me an example. A technology, you know, you can say that you, you can create another dinosaur, you can get, go ahead. I mean, I mean, just just try it if you can. It's not that easy as it seems. So, uh, I think to be honest, for me, nothing is easy. This revolution is about humanity. It has to be about humanity. It cannot be about anything else. Else, we will lose it. So what, we, we will lose track of it. So, from your assessment, we talked about the risk of ethics and the risk of. Uh, uh, the mother uh, earth and uh, all those challenges that we are facing but what other challenges do you see humanity facing as we go forward on this industrial revolution infrastructure is the biggest one uh, corruption infrastructure uh, greed these are big challenges ethics these are very very big challenges i mean if you uh, we have we have, we have not been able to tackle these for last thousand years <laughs> so every, every i don't know pollution begins by the you know in, 
uh, greed, you know, some people benefit tremendously and most of them uh, are not able to benefit. That's how I think each industrial revolution has gone through. And then the hundred years goes by after that. I imagine, imagine if, if, if a few benefited in each industrial revolution and majority didn't with just one or two technologies. Yes. Just think through with a million technologies. Sure. That is it a can actually it, it can actually have a very bad effect on the 80% who don't get benefited from it. It can actually push them further and further down. Yes. So this is a, even a huger risk, bigger that, risk. That is a bigger risk that we are facing because the conversion of the... I mean, uh, before you wanted to rob a bank, so you had a technology called a gun, so you could walk in and say, you know, freeze, I'll take your money. Now you don't even need to. You Tomorrow you implement blockchain and some crazy person just abuses it and takes the whole world's money in one shot. What will you do? You know, would even walk in a bank and robbed anybody. The whole banking system will collapse in a shot. So this is very serious stuff. This is not, uh, I mean, I don't think that... Uh, uh, this is uh, as easy as people think it is. Of course, it is not easy and this is serious stuff. But yes, the same blockchain, if it is used for 80% of, uh, let's say, poor in uh, power, poor people in India or 90% of poor people in Africa so that they can have bank accounts, digitally verified bank accounts and uh, transactions are uh, less. Uh, are actually authenticated on the blockchain ledger. That has the tremendous potential. In fact, uh, the Bank of Africa will get a billion customers in one shot who are never, who are not even in the net of banking system. Their capital will go bazooka. China Bank will go bazooka. So there are positive, huge positives of technology, and there are huge negatives. Yes, there is a great potential. There is no doubt about that. And the rapidly growing converging technologies and the technological tsunami also is changing the very nature and meaning of security. So how do you see technology trigger transformation, revolution or this industrial revolution that is ongoing, changing the very game of security for not only individuals, but also the entities across NGI. That means all these uh, businesses that are out there, industries that are out there, governments and all the systems that we are talking about. Because uh, as we see cyber warfare, space warfare, bio warfare, drone warfare, nano warfare, that is all going on, right? Uh, and uh, it is going to have huge implications. See, security is different types nowadays. Before 100 years ago, 60 years ago, security was just national security and domestic security. Domestic security, you know, police and law enforcement, national security, then after the computers came, became your cyber security, which is cyber means internet. So basically, anything related to the internet, you got your cyber security. But people don't understand that it's moved past cyber security now. It's into digital security. It's different than cyber security because everybody has a digital imprint. Uh, today, you carry a biometric passport, a biometric ID, a biometric uh, uh, facial recognition system on your iPhone X. That's also a digital security. That's not cyber. That's digital security. So. More and more digital security will become far more important than cyber security. 
Cyber security can be controlled at main plug points. It's easier to control cyber security because you can have a better encryption in a server and that protects your server. You can have a better soft virus, antivirus software on a computer and that protects the computer. But digital security is cannot be controlled by a single point. Six billion people or nine billion people have each one of digital points. You cannot individually control each one of them. So that's a far harder, harder aspect of security which needs to be tackled. I mean, rather than, uh, I think people still think of security as a cyber security. I think it's it's going to go bazooka into, uh, it's going to go exponentially tough into that another, it's going to evolve into digital security. That's what I believe in, which, I mean, uh, for example, if somebody hacked uh, iPhone X software, which digitally imprints, and then they can just look at it and through their eyes and it opens up your iPhone X and you've got access to everything. That's not cyber security. It's got nothing to do with internet. It's got everything to do with digital security. So yeah. there's an example. Yes, absolutely. So let, let, let's like, talk about... Like, like there was an experiment when iPhone X came. So the, the these twins, you know, twins. So the, they took twins and the first twin registered the facial recognition system. And then they gave the same iPhone to the next twin, same face, because twins have same face. And it opened up. Every twin opened it up. Yes. Then they emailed Apple. They said, uh, what the hell? What's going on? How can this be this? Then they said, oh, we still don't know how to correct it. So it's not corrected. You can, you can buy an iPhone X tomorrow. You can go to two twins, exactly same faces, and both can use the same iPhone. Sure. That's not security. Yeah, because uh, the algorithms are still learning. These technologies are still learning how to differentiate. It's like, you know, how a small kid, you know, as, as a child is born, you teach them. You train. Now, I imagine that writing and writing at so many algorithms that it can actually capture the facial expressions of 9 billion people with all twins in it. Yeah. And that may happen in 10 years from now, that may happen in five, that may happen in 20 years, right? So we got to start preparing for that security now, yes. not at that time. This is what Apple realized. You, it's very easy to launch a nascent facial technology to the world. Oh, you know, look at it, it'll open. And it takes one second to, to, to take out a flaw in it by twins. By 20-year-old twins, I mean, go figure. You don't need a security, a cyber analyst, a NATO defense expert. <laughs> you need just twins to break it. How, the, how simple is that? Yes, it is a Because algorithmic writers don't know. They never thought of this angle, that humans can be twins. Yes, there are a lot of uh, uh, risks that are emerging, and we have to identify all of them. And we have to start addressing them. But now let's talk about your initiative, the Canada Research Center for the Fourth Industrial Revolution. What are your center's efforts and what role does it play or would like to play in the ongoing industrial revolution? See, we have just set up the center in 2017, in the last quarter. And uh, for starters, we have decided to start educating people. I think uh, educating in the sense, not through conferences, we are not concerned about, we don't want to conduct any conference. We have had enough and we, and, and we firmly believe as a board 
that there are hundreds of conferences and conferences keep happening. I think the time has come to actually impart knowledge. Knowledge can only come through academics, curriculums, proper content. So we decided first to launch two programs. Uh, we are doing it at Oxford University. It's a very prestigious university in England. Uh, so we are launching one on business automation in March, a uh, two-day program, which is being conducted by six faculty members. Some of them, are, one of them is ex-dean of Harvard University herself. Uh, one of them is a, uh, so basically we are catching subject matter experts. For example, if cybersecurity was to be taught, we thought who's best but to grab hold of NATO cybersecurity. So the dean of NATO cybersecurity is the one teaching cybersecurity. Uh, similarly, robotics, um, Internet of Things. So these are the sub. So we're trying to prepare curriculum and then we're trying to prepare college programs, university programs at that level to actually start. So we're starting with that. Uh, then probably uh, middle year, we will start looking at some projects. We were approached by some governments. I cannot name it uh, to, to take up some research projects. But uh, at this point, we're just starting. So we want to just do it step by step rather than just go gung ho about it. So it was a defense project and uh, uh, we decided not to just start and take a project. Let's let's do some education programs first and then get into research projects, second activity, sure. parallel and activity. So what would you like to tell our global viewers and listeners, especially the young minds who are trying to shape the fourth industrial revolution? Oh, I would definitely say that uh, number one, you know, uh, the future is of global economy is the SME and the gig economy uh, and transnational con conglomerates, not multinationals becoming transnational, either huge, huge, huge companies and the rest will all be probably SME subject matter experts and freelancers. And, and that's the generation Z. It's, it's like Jack Ma famously said, the gen 30 generation the 30. So these are the 30 year olds uh, who are going to rule the world for the next 30 years because they will be in the workforce for the next 30. So 30 year olds for the next 30, uh, that's the internet generation. And, and uh, believe in yourself, uh, take every, I mean, look at that like you, you uh, 50 years ago, we didn't even have five technologies to play with uh, when we were young. I mean, uh, today you have a thousand to play with. How good is that? It's like uh, you have options are galore. Yes, capital is scarce. Yes, it's hard. Yes, it's very, very tough uh, to, to build up something. But everybody who has built up anything knows that uh, it, it, is, it is done only with hard work. So that's what I would like to tell them is believe in yourself. and. Uh, uh, you 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 can only take this fourth industrial revolution forward yes i mean most of us in next 20 years uh, will be too old to take it so yes. only they can define it and that's the reality they are our community. we may have started it but somebody has to carry it and only they can if they if they choose not to carry it it will die down simple as that it'll stop Yes, they are overcoming tomorrow. Absolutely. So thank you so much, Jin Sharma, for participating in Risk Roundup today. We appreciate your thoughtful insight on the fourth industrial revolution and for doing your part in shaping it and helping raise awareness about it. 
and our global viewers and listeners would benefit tremendously from the information you provided on the ongoing industrial revolution and the risk and rewards it brings to the society and humanity. So even if a single individual or entity can come up with an idea to help manage the security risk emerging in the four, because of this ongoing industrial revolution and help bring equality and fairness to individuals and entities across NGIOA in cyberspace, geospace and space. This is kind of dialogue has been of service and we thank you for that. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for uh, inviting me. Wonderful. So the decisions we take today will determine how this ongoing technology transformation, revolution and evolution will shape humanity. So irrespective of whether we call it an industrial revolution or human evolution, one thing is clear, our horizon is becoming much bigger than our planet or universe. We at Risk Group call attention to risk impacting humanity at all levels as we rapidly move forward on this ongoing fourth industrial revolution and by identifying the problem and raising awareness of it, we are taking the first step in beginning to address it. Risk group, cybersecurity, geosecurity, and space security risk research centers are created for this very reason to identify, evaluate, and manage the risk facing NGIOA in CGS, that means nations, its government, industries, organizations, and academia in cyberspace, geospace, and space. We at Risk Group believe that risk management, security, and peace, they walk together hand in hand. Though security is related to management of threats and peace to the management of conflict, risk management is related to management of security vulnerabilities as well as management of conflict. And it is not possible to conceive any one of the three without the existence of the other two. All three concepts feed into each other. We believe that the security we build for ourselves is precarious and uncertain until it is secure for everyone across nations. Tradition becomes our security. So if we build a culture of managing risk effectively, it will lead us to security and security will lead us to peace. Let's manage the existing and emerging risk together. For more information on the risk roundups, to watch the risk roundup videos or hear the risk roundup podcast, Please go to riskgroupllc.com and do not forget to subscribe and share. Until next time, I'm Jayashree, host of Risk Roundup, signing off. See you next time. Thank you.